Hello, this is Mike from Dark Days Radio, and joining me is David, and you're listening to A Secret Frequency on Tam Lin and Fairy Wives. Tonight you'll be regaled with stories, both fact and possibly fiction, and treated to a plethora of ideas for your horror games. And special thanks to David for, uh, you know, saying that we should do this topic. Uh, this episode is going to include content dealing with uh, sex and inferred sexual assault. So if you aren't interested in hearing about that, just skip ahead to the next episode. And now, on to the horror. Hello, everyone. So yes, um, I, I suggested this topic uh, a little while ago to, to Mike. He's been listen- loved listening to all the secret frequencies over over lockdown, and I thought, let's get let's get into that. And so this topic is one of my favorite fairy tales. It's one of the things that kind of got me into folklore and fairy tales. And this is the Ballad of Tam Lin. And it is one of the many, many Scottish border ballads that are out there. And one of the many fairy tales from the British Isles that talks of the Fae and what interactions can happen between them and mortals and those who seek them out. The ballad itself is quite long. Um, and I will be reading it and attempting to read it with the Scottish dialect. It shows the weakness of man and the independence of women, unlike many traditional European folk tales. But I will leave that for you to enjoy other areas. There are many fairy tales out there um, which are follow a similar theme, theme. So if you don't like this particular fairy tale and this particular folklore, you can go off and find other ones. Things like Thomas the Rhymer, who is taken by the fairy queen and given the gift of prophecy. We also have fairy wives in Welsh folklore as well. And there are all over the UK, British Isles and Europe. Some tell similar tales to what you're about to hear. And most are around a theme of lost love marriage being annulled for a broken promise and the man losing his wife forever. Usually they involve iron and usually they involve a seven year agreement. Even sometimes the devil makes an appearance. So today uh, on this episode I will be telling the ballad of Tam Lin and this version comes from the English and Scottish popular ballads by Francis James Child uh, published sometime around the late 1800s. 1880s, 1890s. Um, if you are interested in finding this ballad and some of the other ballads, you can find it over on public domain, a website called www.sacred-text.com, where there's a plethora of folklore and occult texts for free. We can put a link to that in the show notes so that people can check it out. Yes, it is all open source. Um, public domain stuff and there's thousands and thousands of texts in there so I do recommend going and checking it out but yes um, we shall now begin the tale or the ballad of Tam Lin and I apologise in advance for any mispronunciations of Scottish words here but sit back and relax oh I forbid you maidens are that wear gowd on your hair to come or gay to Carter Hay for Tamlin is here. There's name that gays by Carter Hay, but they leave him a wad, either their rings or the green mantles, or else their maiden head. Janet has kilted her green kirtle a little aboon her knee, and she has broided her yellow hair a little aboon her brie, and she's away to Carter Hay as fast as she can hay. When she came to Carter Hay, Tamlin was at the well, and there she found his steed standing, but away himself. 
She had nay put a double rose, a rose but only tway. Till upon then started young town in, says, Lady, thou's puttin' a me. Why push thou rose, Janet? And why breaks thou the one? Oh, why comes thou to Carter Hay without my command? Carter Hay? It is my own. My daddy gave it to me. I'll come and gang as by Carter Hay and ask Nan to leave at thee. Janet has kilted her green kirtle a little abun her knee, and she has broided her yellow hair a little abun her brie. And she is her father's heart, and she as fast as she can hay. Four and twenties lady fair were playing at the bar. Now came the fairest Janet, the flower among them are. Four and twenty ladies fair were playing at the chess, and out then came the fair Janet, as green as one a glass. Out then spake an old grey knight, they o'er the castle way, and alas, fair Janet, for thee, but will be blamed, eh? Hold your tongue, you old fucking nice. Some ill death may ye die. Father my bairn on whom I will, I'll father none on thee. Out then spark her father dear, and he spark meek and mild. And ever alas, sweet Janet, he says, I think thou art guest with child. If that I gay with child, father, my same on bairn than blame. There's never a laird about your hay, shall the bairn's name. If my love were an earthly knight, as he's an elfin grey, I wad nay gay my ain true love, for nay lord that ye hay. The steed that my true love rides on is lighter than the wind. With cilia he is stood he should before, with burning gout behind. Janet has kilted her green kirtle a little abun her knee. And as she and she has broided her yellow hair a little abun her brie. And she's away to Carter Hay as fast as she can hay. When she came to Carter Hay, Tamlin was at the well, and there she found her steed standing, but away was himself. And she had nay put a double rose, a rose but on tway. Till up then started young Tamlin, says, Lady, thou pus name me. Why pus they rose, Janet, among the graves a green, and a to kill the bonny babe that we got between us? Oh, tell me, tell me, Tamlin, she says. Forsake that died on thee, if e'er ye was in a holy chapel, or Chrysodum did see. Roxburgh, he was my grandfather, took me with him to bide, and once it fell upon a day that we did me be tied. And once it fell upon a day, a cold day in a snell, when we were fray, the hunting came. The fray my horse I fell, the queen of fairy she caught me in yon green hill do dwell. And pleasant is the fairyland, but an eerie tale to tell. I at the end of seven years we had to we pay a time to hell. I say fair and few of flesh, I feared it be myself. But the night is Halloween, lady, the morn is hallow day, and win me, win me, and ye will, for weal I what we may. Just at the murk and midnight hour the fairy folk will ride, and that they wad their true love win, at Miles Cross they mon bide. But how shall I thee ken, Tamlin, or how my true love know? Among Simoni Unco Knights the like I never saw. Who first let pass the black lady, and soon let pass the brown, but quickly run to the milk white steed, put ye his rider down. For I'll ride on the milk white steed, and a nearest the town. Because I was an earthly knight, they give me that renown. 
My right hand will be gloved, lady, and my left hand will be bare. Cocked up shall my bonnet be, and camed down shall my hair. And thy's the taken, I glee thee, nay doubt I will be there. They'll turn me in your arms, lady, into an esk and an adder. But hold me fast and fear me not, I am your bane's father. They'll turn me to bear, see grim, and then a lion bold. But hold me fast and fear me not, and ye shall love your child. Again, they'll turn me in your arms to a red het gand of air, but hold me fast and fear me not, I will do you no harm. And last, they'll turn me in your arms into a burning gleed, then throw me into the well, oh, throw me in with speed, and then I'll be your ain true love, I'll turn a naked knight, and cover me wi' your green mantle and hide me out of sight. Gloomy, gloomy was the night, and eerie was the way, as fair Jenny in her green mantle to Mars crossed she did gay. At the murk of midnight hour she heard the bride's song. She was as glad as that as an earthly thing. First she let the black pass by and seen she let the brown. But quickly she ran to the milk white steed and put the rider down. Say wheel she minded what she did say and young Tamlin did win. Sing covered him with her green mantle and blithe a bird didn't sing. Out then spake the queen of the fairies, out of a bush of broom. Them has gotten young Tamlin, has gotten a stately groom. Out then spake the fair queen of fairies, and an angry woman was she. Shame be tied her ill-fared face, and an ill death may she die, for she's ta'en away the bonniest knight in a my company. But had I ken Tamlin, said she, what now this night I see, I would had teen out thy twy grain and put it twy in thy tree. And there we have it. Well done. Well done. Reading all that Scottish, especially at the ends there, that really was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's not the easiest thing to read, and you hear me stumble a few times in there, and I'm, there, there are a few retakes that you'll kindly edit out for me, but... No problem, no problem. But yeah, uh, David, what did all that mean? I mean, I think we got some of the key plot points, but uh, could you could you translate it into uh, just a more digestible par- paragraph? Yeah, okay. So this is obviously, this is the version I just read there is actually, it is an old English version, but you can find this story in all sorts of fairy tales and other versions. And so basically what it all comes down to is a woman. In this version, she's called Janet who just decides to go wandering in a forest called Carter Hay, uh, where she meets a bloke um, who is like, this is my wood, um, why are you here? Um, you give me a flower uh, and and bugger off, basically, because this is my wood and I don't want you here. Um, she, she she doesn't. She says it's her flower, it's her, it's her flower, it's her wood, and she'll do what she wants to do. Um... Uh, but she does, okay, yeah, whatever, I don't really like you, you creepy man, What? I'll, I'll leave anyway. Um, she then goes back to her own castle, uh, where she's kind of having a meal with her, parent, with her parents and her daddy, and um, he's got a load of his own knights around there, and one of them asks for his hand in marriage. Uh, and she says, no, um, you won't be the father of my child, suddenly admitting to everybody in the room that she's actually pregnant. Um. Yeah, we'll we'll deal with how that might have happened later. <laughs> so after that, um, she's obviously revealed that she's with child, and she tells 
everyone who that who the father of the child is and reveals it as Tamlin. And everybody in there kind of goes, oh, Tamlin, he's that evil elf person in the woods. Um, but she's like, no, he's not. He, he's a nice person and I love him. Uh, so she buggers off back into the woods where Tamlin reveals himself as not an elf, but a knight who had um, unfortunately been captured by the Queen of the Fairies and has been kept by her side for seven years. Where he, in other versions, he spends many, many joyous days and nights drinking and carousing and doing all, all fun things that you can do in the fairy kingdoms. Um, but what he also reveals is that at the end of the seven years, in a few nights' time, um, the fairies have tithed him to hell. And so every seven years, they actually sacrifice someone to the devil. Um, and that only she can save him. Uh, she's told to watch for the procession on Halloween and grab him from his white horse and drag him away. That bit was kind of obvious. And depending on the versions you, you read, there are different creatures that he will then turn into when she grabs him. So she jumps, she kind of like flying leaps him off a horse and then has to kind of wrestle and hold him on the ground. And he gets turned into various beasties. There's an adder, a bear, a lion. And in all versions, the last thing that he turns into is a hot stone. When he turns into that hot stone, he's meant to be thrown into a well. Once it's cooled off, he returns to human form, naked, uh, which he then must uh, cover him in her green mantle and hide him outside. Uh, the Fairy Queen is a little bit annoyed at this. She's not particularly too happy about this, because um, obviously she's now got to go and find another sacrifice to hell. Um, and that last bit, that last couple of sentences that are really hard to understand, it's all about knowing that if she had actually prepared better, she would take out his eyes and put them in a tree. Um, but I'm not going to go into all the details and things behind that and where it would exist and stuff, because there's other stories relating to that. Well, yeah, that's pretty serious. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, she pulls out his eyes in one story. So. Ooh. Okay, well, I mean, you know, um, seems like Jan's real nice and she'll she'll take care of him. She'll still take care of Tamlin. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a little, it's a little weird. Like, doesn't he, she calls him, like, an old-faced elf or something? And then she's like, no, I love him. I'm going to go run off to the forest and be with him. And then finds out that he's not an elf. He's just a dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all about it. She, she, she thought, oh, you're just a, you're just an ugly elf. But it's like, no, he's actually just probably a handsome man. Yeah, he's like, well, he's better than all these old men that my man, my, my dad has got running after me. All these old drunk Scottish men. Um, I'd rather go with a weird elf than these all, all these men. Interesting. But one of the, Interesting. Yeah, one of the things with this ballad, um, compared to a lot of the other fairy fairy tales, is she does this by her own accord. It's all Janet's um, way. She does it because she wants to do it, and that's not usually the way in folklore. But we can have a long discussion about sexism in folklore on another day. <laughs> because it's indeed. indeed indeed but uh well with this tale that we have and the uh kind of translation and explanation you gave us david how can we use this in our horror role-playing games what games uh kind of jump out at you to be used so um the first two games that jump out at me completely with this um and i know you've got a lot of lot to say on one of them but i'll i'll start with vesson it's a game we've not talked about yet on um darker days radio as far as i'm aware um, I won't go into it too much because I'm hopefully going to be doing an interview soon um, with one of the writers 
Um, but it's a Victorian Nordic horror RPG by Free League. And what you can do is you can probably much play this pretty much as written. Um, so in, in Vesson, the Vesson themselves are spirits. Um, they all have a ritual behind them that you need to solve. So there's a mystery that goes throughout it and you need to solve the puzzle of the ritual to stop the Vesson from basically being mean and horrible or save them from mean and horrible humans. And so here we see um, a human has been, has been captured by the Vesson um, the, the human who's been captured knows the, knows the ritual that needs to be performed to save them from the evil Vesson who are about to sacrifice him to humanity. To humanity? To hell. Um, and so with, even within the actual core book, um, there are fairies in there and you've obviously got connections to iron and things in there, but it's, it's a really, really easy story that you can kind of instantly put into that Victorian setting because that poem was written in the late 1800s um so yeah uh, that's the one that first um jumps out to me vesson is an amazing game if you've not read it or looked at it, do look at it they look out for an episode sometime in december i'm hoping um where we'll have one of the writers um i'll be interviewing one of the writers with that the next one um i'll let you say more about this one um because this is obviously world of darkness and chronicles of darkness and we have changing the lost Sure, yeah, yeah. So, uh, talking about Change the Lost, um, there's there's a lot you can do. You know, obviously this is a, a fairy tale, so there are a lot of, uh, lot of themes that match up pretty well with, with all the Change the Games. We'll just focus on Change the Lost first. So, the situation with Tamlin, you know, you can definitely recognize because this knight has stumbled into a gentry court, you know, probably crossed the hedge, uh, crossed into the hedge and then into, into Arcadia and has now been captured and is probably bound in servitude to this uh, this gentry fay. You know, this knight, I assume, has probably been partying a lot, consuming goblin fruits, um, which would uh, certainly give him very odd features and uh, maybe some, some kind of strange abilities when he actually returns to the mortal world. And we know from this story right here that he has returned. Mm. People know of him. There's, there's stories about him, and eventually he does meet Janet. But the question I really come away with is why he doesn't run away from the servitude. You know, uh, in a lot of cases, um, the gentry do not like to allow their, their, uh, their changelings to cross back into the mortal world because then they kind of lose control of them. Usually they have contacts with uh, privateers who are kind of semi-independent changelings in the mortal world on the other side who kind of do their bidding maybe capture capture rogue changelings and drag mm-hmm. them back or or stuff like that but they usually don't like to send their own back uh into the mortal world so i have to wonder you know um was this knight now a privateer himself was this knight uh tamlin being watched by something you know a huntsman perhaps that would uh, ensure that he always comes back or maybe there was some sort of a bond or joy that had him keep returning to Arcadia through the hedge. It's one of the wonderful things I actually kind of quite like about this story is in any of the versions, there is nothing really that states as to why he keeps going in and out of the two realms and why he's allowed to do these things. So playing on that is a really nice idea. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, I don't really have any any incredible answers at the moment. Um, 
Um, but I think that would be really the, the basis. If you're doing change the loss, that's what you mm-hmm. really want to decide upon and then kind of kind of play with this uh, some more. You know, maybe who here's something. Here's a here's the dark the dark twist, David. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be sacrificed. He's the one who will be sacrificed every seven years unless yeah. he drags someone back in or or something like that. So that's why he's going out. He's actually going out to try to drag someone in to take his place in the uh, the seven years yeah. sacrifice. And again, that plays on a lot of the ideas or some of these stories we see in folklore is that to get out of these places, you have to bring in somebody else. That would be a nice dark thing to throw in there. Yeah, I think that'd be good. And then you can add in kind of an emotional... Uh, you attach him. Maybe he doesn't want to sacrifice Janet and decides mm. that he will sacrifice himself instead, especially because she's now carrying his child. Sure. Yeah. So I think that works. Yeah, I think I that think works you... right there. And, you know, kind of continuing with Chronicles of Darkness, um, another idea for a more modern game would be the idea of this uh, this knight, you know, transferring back into being a, a human and the struggle associated with that being, you know, pretty epic. You know, that could be a really powerful story arc right there. So in Chronicles of Darkness, uh, just kind of baseline mortals, what I would do is have a group of friends, you know, that's your, that's your kind of group of characters. Uh, but one of them has mysteriously vanished long ago. And when that person returns, begging his old friends for help, they have to embark on kind of a bizarre, really you know, emotionally taxing ritual to cleanse him of his fey influence. So they don't know that he's a changeling, but that's really what's going on. And you know, having to be there with them as they change into these different forms and have these uh, these struggles could be very powerful. Kind of more of a metaphysical. Um head rush ride kind of thing going on rather than the actual physical changes that we hear in the story. Maybe he turns into the bear and just starts going out and, and starting fights and protect and, and things rather than that. So take take the animals that he turns into and turn them into kind of um, actual personality traits and things and the pair, the friends have to bring, them, bring him down from those heights of animalistic nature that he's going through. Yeah, that's a really good idea. So you want to talk about Warhammer a little bit before we do World of Darkness? Uh, yes, yeah. Um, so Warhammer, uh, we'll we'll go straight into Warhammer Fantasy because this is the one that it instantly screams at. Um, Warhammer Fantasy, you have uh, the Wood Elves and Lothlorien in there. Um, as a very, very quick idea, um, when I was just thinking about this, walking home actually uh, from uni, a uh, very, very quick idea, you have... A noble lord or merchant—they've gone on. They're, they're they're taking their wares away somewhere, and they're traveling past Lothlorien. And the, the noble lord has a son who is a bit brash and uh, up himself, and is not worried about the world because he's a noble and he's got the rights to everywhere. And he's heard the stories of Lothlorien, but doesn't really pay that much attention to them. And so he goes wandering into the woods of of Lothlorien, and uh, well, that's a mistake, isn't it? The um, little wood elves come out, and um, rather than doing what they usually do, uh, they they rather than just killing him, they can, they'll do the other. They can do something else. They can morph the woods around the lord and the noble son, and so he just continues walking in a circle. Um, and you hear this in a lot of the the Warhammer Fantasy books um, over the the roleplay that you can that they'll lead the 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 humans astray through the woods 
And so they just kind of lead him on a circle and every seven years he comes back to the point where he was lost. Not every seven years, every year he comes back to the point where he was lost. And maybe people see him, but he is so confused by what's going on, he just kind of eventually turns away and wanders back into the forest. And you kind of have to bring him out there um, at some point. You meet him on one of these these journeys that he's come through and you have to then survive the wood of Loth- woods of Lothorian and bring him out as well. Maybe making deals with the, uh, the dryads or the wood elves in there. But that's a very basic idea. I didn't put much thought into it. It was just an idea that kind of popped into my head going through there. Yeah, no, that's a good um, idea. Um, there was a... Uh... There was a Warhammer novel called Guardians of the Forest where there was a, uh, a Bretonian knight who went into uh, a Thelloran and as he was like adventuring through, I think he was like chasing after the lady or something, he mm. stumbles across another knight who like saves him from some beastmen or something and then like rides off into back into the forest. And you later learn towards the end of the novel that that's, that was actually him many years later. Uh, riding back to save himself and because because time has no meaning in the forest of Athel Loren uh, or something like that so yeah so you, you get that cyclical nature within that yes yeah. yeah, so you've got you you've written some things here about the the old wood elf army books and things and all oh, the favorite one that we that we um Chris and Rob covered Bretonia yeah yeah just from the uh, most, most recent dark hammer yeah so I think you're on the right track with this uh definitely so in you know Warhammer Fifth Edition to Eighth Edition, there's a lot of ideas um, with the the Wood Elves, the uh, the Azrae as they're called, being yeah. very Fey in nature. And in one, I think it was the Fifth Edition Wood Elves Army book. I remember a throwaway line about human children serving forever young in the yeah. uh, the courts of a Thelren, like they'll be just serving in some elf king's household or or the like. I think it's the, it, you you hear that throughout all of the editions. Um, it certainly rings a bell from from later editions for me as yeah. well. I mean, I think it was a, it, it's it's a powerful line because usually mm-hmm. you know like a teenager or something reading these army books and you're like, oh no, that could be me stuck there in that court. Yeah, forever a kid. Um, and then as well, uh, many maidens in Bretonia are also taken by the lady, uh, you know, basically the lady of the lake, to become damsels. Uh, which are kind of the wizards and servants of that faith. And it's long suspected in kind of the broader meta lore of Warhammer that the uh, the lady might actually be the Wood Elves influencing the Bretonians through kind of a false religion. So, mm. you know, in, in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, there will be a healthy industry of elves stealing children. Um, and in your game, it could be pretty interesting to explore the repercussions of this, because maybe in uh, the city of Paravan in Bretonia, nearby uh, the forest of Athel Loren, uh, there could be a population of these child-bodied adults who fled from the magical forest, and now they have to try to live life in this brutal, feudal society. So it, it will be good as well, because it's like wood elves are actually a playable character and a playable archetype within Warhammer Fantasy art role-playing, so to kind of throw them in there as the actual baddies and as the, as the protagonists um, could be quite interesting especially if your if your group has a wood elf within it how how does that all how does everyone deal with that yeah i mean that's that's the point that rob was making uh, and i think chris as well in that that recent dark hammer episode you know the wood elves being playable actually causes a lot of problems especially if you go to bretonia because it's like you kind of walk yeah. in and realize like oh we've been 
been messing about with these people and their religion for uh, a thousand years, for example. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> they, they kind of skirt that issue a little bit with the most recent edition because the playable wood elves are supposed to supposed to be from Lothlorien, as you pointed out, which is yeah. a small little forest, magical forest in the Empire, as opposed to the giant one, Athel Loren, next to yeah. Britonia. So in the, they're, I think they're slightly more... They're pretty alien. They're pretty strange. They're, they're pretty aloof, but they're, they're, they're less uh, murdery, get out of our woods yeah. than Slightly they are. Slightly more approachable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you should stay out of their woods, but if you meet them on the street, it's it's probably okay. Yeah, yeah. You, um, you would meet them on the streets. You would meet these ones on the streets, whereas the um, Bretonian faction, that the, nah, you wouldn't. They don't leave their forest. They just sit there and beat up beastmen and then super, confuse Super people. xenophobic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I see you here, here have an idea for Wrath and Glory. Yeah, so I was I was thinking about this one for a while because it's something that I wouldn't usually associate with Wrath and Glory, um, kind of like folklore and folktales, but then I realized that the scenario that I wrote for Litanies of the Lost Grim Harvest, I did throw in a lot of folklore in there um, around the Dark Elves. Uh, not Dark Elves, Dark Elder, moving deer. Um, well, the, the, the Drukari. The Drukari. Yep, you got it. And so, what you could play on here is rather than taking it literally from the stories, you could have a dark elf, hum, dark elder hum, homunculus, has managed to capture the a noble lord or a a, a um, rogue trader of some import um, um, from a, a a small colony somewhere. And because homunculus are a little bit psychotic, um, they're slowly changing them. Rather than um, changing them every like really really quickly, they're doing it slowly. And then every cycle or every year, they they go out with a witch cabal and they parade the the lord in front of um, a small village somewhere every year to show them how much they have chased. And if you don't pay the tithe of of blood mm -hmm. to to the the Drakari, then this is what could happen to you. Yeah, that is, that is incredible. That is incredible, David, because, you know, these, the aristocracy in Warhammer 40,000 basically does have kind of a divine right, correct? Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the god mm. emperor of mankind has supposedly said that this aristocrat needs to be in charge. So, you know, this, this yeah. godlike being on Holy Terra has said that they are, they are, they have that kind of right to be there, supposedly. You know, it's really actually bureaucracy, but we'll, we'll get into that some other time. Listen to Darkhammer and you'll find all, all about that bureaucracy. Indeed, indeed. So the Drukari, realizing that they can use this individual to keep this this planet that they captured in line, yeah. uh, is really, really quite devious, and I think very fitting for those characters. So it will kind of be, give them their own fiefdom, really, which they can harvest for souls and yep. and the like. And you could use the idea that the 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 fact that in in the Tamlin story it's changed that you see different beasts, him changing into different beasts each time the the Lord is shown he has a different bestial appendage has been attached to him, and um, the the homunculus can come out and say yeah if you keep it will keep going we'll keep changing him and eventually he'll be thrown into the gladiator rings of Kamara and fight the witches and things so there's a lot I think you can actually play with there. Um, it just takes a little bit of thinking because it's a very different time period of things and ideas, but you can certainly fit it into Wrath and Glory, I feel. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a great story there of uh, the Imperial citizens hatching a plot to rescue their um, mm-hmm. their, their noble lord. They get him back, and well, in this story, they can't rescue him. They can't fix him at no, all. No, he, he he's very much uh, changed um, physically and probably mentally. Probably, yeah. probably he's actually been killed a few times and been brought back by the homunculus because yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, so. yeah, certainly. So let's finish this up by talking about the world of darkness a little bit because you were talking about fairies. So let's uh, let's talk about changing the dreaming, and along with that, uh, I think we need to talk about fairy sex mm-hmm. uh, because in changeling uh, the dreaming, they are not born. Uh, they are either. You know, a fae soul would be fused to a mortal soul via the changeling away ritual, or the body is basically just snatched by one of the she, and uh, the mortal soul is just ejected. You know, it's just kicked out of that body, and the uh, the she takes over. So, in the context of the story that we just heard, this kind of begs the question as to why this child bore, you know, elfin traits. Right? I mean, ignoring the fact that uh, the knight was actually a human mortal. You know, I guess in the context of Changeling, the Dreaming probably when the Enchanted, you would think. Um, if it even was a Changeling that was lying with, uh, with Janet, it would not result in this kind of elfin child. You know? Yeah. So, this is, this is kind of strange because, as well, these features are usually hidden by the changeling's seeming. You know, you don't just walk around and notice that there's a uh, there's a troll on the street. It's just, to a mortal, mortal's eyes, it's just kind of a big person, you know? Just a really tall, barrel-chested man, for example. Um, so that's a little weird. And I think the answer to why this is all happening could lie with the fairy queen just kind of mucking about. So... I wonder if this was just a uh, just a, n- a normal mortal encounter between a man and a woman, uh, and the fairy queen actually forcibly ejected the infant's soul and then replaced it with a uh, a she friend of hers, uh, mm. while that child was actually still in the womb, and that's really horrible. Um, and it's also kind of it kind of makes sense now we're reading about this because even in mortal form the uh, the she tend to be. You know, hashtag super pretty. You know, they they have this alien beauty about them. So it could be that this child has kind of an elven kind of trait to them, uh, even even when they're born. You also kind of explain it. Yeah, it can also lend into that idea. Like we don't know how the pregnancy happened. It's not really mentioned much. Some of the other stories do talk about it. Um, Tamlin forcing himself upon to Janet or sometimes Janet even forces herself upon him so um, you can bring you can play on that kind of idea then as to kind of where the actual pregnancy came from yeah I and it was so I was reading a BBC article many years ago and there was a, a woman and her daughter who went on holiday and then when they came back to I guess the UK or whatever uh, her daughter was pregnant, and she sued the resort, saying that her daughter got pregnant from the pool. Oh God, yes, I know this story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't even know how it all turned out. I don't care, but it did give me the idea that maybe, maybe the enchanted forest itself could just gift women with children. That could be what happens in this in this place, or it could be you know the meddling of the fairy queen. 
in some sort of a devious plot. So you could, you know, in this case, just completely remove uh, any intercourse from the story and yet still have the child there, uh, which could make the, the case of Tamlin even more intriguing because, you know, well, he, didn't, he didn't really do anything. Yeah. Just He was just happened to be there and he's just been blamed for it all. Correct, correct. Um, but in the context of changing the dreaming, you know, uh, in a modern setting, you know, if a bunch of these, you know, elfin children just start popping up all over the city, the local freehold is going to take notice. And they're going to have probably your motley of changelings go and investigate. And who knows what you're going to find? You know, maybe the evil fairy queen is one of the, uh, the, the Duantane or the Thalane. Uh, and... You know, it has to be stopped or or handled in some way. Maybe some barter or agreement needs to be made between these uh these different fae. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finally, uh, we should probably talk about Dark Ages fae uh, because it takes a very different approach to the fae uh, than the other two uh, changeling games that we already mentioned. So in Dark Ages fae, uh, the, the fae are inhuman creatures that live in another world. They're living in the mists kind of uh kind of outside of our reality and they're really as as the game is written they're much more concerned about their own fey affairs including this war that's been raging for eons between the different you know seasonal courts um but they do have one reason to interact with mortals and that is because they can create pacts and pacts uh which these pacts must be maintained uh to retain their power so it may be that the uh, the maiden Janet's child is actually a physical manifestation of such a pact, and you know that can make a lot of sense. So the pact must be maintained, and thus you know the child must survive, and it also gives kind of a finite length to the pact, uh, since the child will you know eventually die. So for a Dark Ages game, uh, you can have it so that that child is now the town elder. You know, they've grown up, they're maybe like 60, 70, 80 years old at this point, but the pact is long forgotten by the mortal populace. However, uh, their benefactor's enemies, maybe from the summer court, they still remember. And uh, there's probably some, some tomfoolery going on, some hijinks, some shenanigans, or maybe something more dreadful and horrific, which leads to the local band of inquisitors uh, investigating to see what ha- is happening in the town and you know, discovering that this agreement exists and that these uh, these strange magics are at work. Yeah, Dark Angels Fae is not a game that I'm au fait with, but that sounds like a really cool way to to look at it. That pact idea, uh, and then taking it mm. rather from where the story is now, kind of what's happened in the future. What happens with this child that has this connection to the Fae? Um, yeah, so that's. that's um... really nice. I think you could take that gate that, that idea across all of the systems we've talked about now yeah yeah certainly it was just dark ages fate it has some challenges because the uh the only reason for them to go into the real world is these pacts mm. or maybe there's a you, you can also use the magical macguffin trope as well but that's really it otherwise they're going to stay out in the mists and they're going to just be you know wrestling and punching each other uh, so i really think that you need to leverage that those pacts as much as possible in that game and that's really the way that it's gonna get any kind of relevance yeah. um so that's that's why i was thinking about this uh it's kind of a setup for for dark ages fey but yeah i could definitely use it in a lot of others 
And I think that's everything that jumps out at me for role-playing games. Um, I'm sure you could do something with Mage. Definitely Dark Ages Mage uh, really lends itself to the kind of occult and magical investigation of, of such a, uh, a situation. Uh, so that could definitely be good. Uh, you could also, in, in the World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness context, uh, because this is set on Halloween, which is, you know, a holiday where the uh, the shroud is usually thinnest between the mortal and ghost worlds, I think you could play around with that a lot as well uh, yeah. and have that kind of interaction for uh, for Geist or Wraith the Oblivion. Very much so, especially with um, that, that, that final parade where, where Janet um, does rescue Tamlin from the horse. You could have that as a full-on parade through the woods where all of the spirits come out and all, all, all supernatural beings are there to watch this sacrifice that will keep them keep their their world safe for another seven years here uh, is an idea for that uh which could be pretty fun so obviously the fairy queen has her one sacrifice but there's a long parade and that's probably everyone sacrificing something you yeah. know perhaps there's other fairy sacrifices maybe there is something from some mages that have uh, you know infernal pacts perhaps there's some sinister werewolves that also have their own sacrifices added in so I think that could be really interesting and uh, a good way to enable crossover, yeah. uh, especially in World of Darkness, which usually has challenges with that. Um, but it could be pretty fun for, for Chronicles of Darkness as well, uh, because you might be there just trying to save this one individual, but there's so many others that have a doomed fate that really gives you kind of a moral question. And also, do you do you learn as to why they, the sacrifice is happening and then have the moral question as save that one life to save many um, can be thrown in there as well. Or maybe saving that one life damns many more. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I meant, but yeah. Um, indeed, words, indeed. Words. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite alright. So I think that's it. And uh, yep. this has been a secret frequency from Darker Days Radio. If you'd like to find more of our work in horror gaming, check out darker-days.org. And if you want to get in contact with us, check out that link tree, link tree slash Darker Days Radio. Or you can send us an email over at uh, darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. David, thanks for sharing this poem and this tale to uh, really give us some more, some more ideas for the more, you know, whimsical and more fey side of these horror role-playing games. That's all right. Thank you for, for letting me uh, come back on and uh, talk about. Absolutely. And until our next Secret Frequency, good night, good luck, and stay safe out there. <laughs>